glad you joined us for New Hope's Sermon of the Week. For more resources, be sure to contact newhopecom.org. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I'm going to jump into this. For anybody who's new this morning, my name is Will. I'm part of the leadership team here. Uh, my wife and I moved to Rochester because of the call of God in our life to be in this city with this community about a year and a half ago, and it's been amazing, and we haven't looked back since. Uh, recently, we've been discussing, Steve's been discussing, Ralph's been discussing this concept of moving closer, or moving in closer, and coming in closer to each other and to the Lord. And I was trying to think about where I wanted to go with this, and I was praying, God, what do you want me to talk about? Because this idea of moving in closer, this idea of contending, this idea of pressing into God uh, is really, really important because we want to have an unquenchable thirst for God and the things of God, and we want to have a ravenous hunger for God. Am I right? At the same time, there's a message of being satisfied in Him and resting in what He's done. So how do we live in the contrast of those two realities between being satisfied and being extremely hungry for the Lord and the things of God and not, not getting balanced between the two, but being ridiculously fanatical in both directions. And that right there is what I want us to step into because it's a little bit tricky when you start to really get into it. And it has a lot to do with my own personal journey because when I had first come to the Lord, uh, it was in high school. Well, I actually got, I came to the Lord as a young kid, but the passion really started to ramp up in my high school years uh, when I started to have actual encounters with the Holy Spirit. And the youth ministry that I was a part of was one of the most radical places I've ever been, even to this day. And to give you guys an idea what this youth ministry was like, there was about 200 plus kids in this youth ministry going after God like nothing you've ever seen. They blow us all out of the water on a Sunday morning, okay? Just gonna tell you that right now. It's on a whole another level. 200 students might not seem like a lot, but the church itself was smaller than this, like we didn't have this many people on a Sunday morning. So Thursday night, the youth group was bigger than the church on a Sunday morning, and 95% of the kids didn't have any parents that even, or any family that went to that church. It was all goths, what they called juggalos, just street kids coming in, and they were encountering God. I mean, they were smoking. When we did altar calls, there was a bucket of trash, and there was always needles and drugs and all kinds of crazy stuff in there that was illegal. It was a really, really radical place. My first experience there was as soon as the worship started, somebody started manifesting a demon in the back row, and five people had to hold her down and were trying to cast this thing out, and I was like, what did I step into? Is this even okay? Because I went to a Calvary Chapel, and we only read about that kind of stuff. (laughs) So, (laughs) hey, anyways, so... With this, though, with this experience, we were going after God in a really passionate way. So my desire, my, my understanding for what it looked like to go after God was this was the context for it. And, and we did. We had crazy things happen. I mean, gold dust would show up on people. People would have angelic encounters. People would get drunk in the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit shows up, and if some of you aren't familiar with that, there's just moments when God shows up and weird stuff happens. And there's a difference between good weird and bad weird. And things would get really good weird. And people would... Uh, I just remember there's even moments where there was one particular person that would, every time worship would start, he would run out of the room, just gone, just dart. 
One night, this guy named John John decided he was going to chase him out into the parking lot after worship started. He chases him out in the parking lot, and he goes, stop! And the guy literally freezes like rigor mortis. Like, he literally became frozen in the parking lot as he was running away. People went and grabbed him, and he was like, it was like carrying a mannequin back into the, sanction, back into the youth room. And they put him down on the front row in the worship, and they laid him down, and he went into a full-blown demonic manifestation and got delivered right there in the front. And that guy, he had the craziest piercings. Not that there's anything wrong with piercings, but the way he carried himself, it was like he was a different... He had like these kind of piercings that were like underneath the skin. You guys ever seen that kind of... This guy was radical. Uh, he eventually probably would have gotten his tongue split or something like those crazy uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not type tattoos. You know what I'm saying? It was that kind of person... He came back the following week a different person. All the piercings were gone. He looked like a totally different dude, and he ended up later on stepping into full-time ministry because of that experience right there. There were moments where people would get invited to the front that had never encountered God, and they would black out, and they'd be on the floor. Are they, are they okay? Like, is this God, or should we call the hot, like, should we call 911? We're not really sure what's going on. So these type of experiences, people getting healed, legitimate miracles, legitimate encounters with God, it was it might not have been a world-renowned move of the Holy Spirit, but it absolutely was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we would shout and we would scream, and even though all of that was good, a lie crept into the midst of that, that in order to get God show, showing up like that, you have to be desperate. And you have to pop a hernia while you're praying every single time. That was the lie that crept in was that you needed to strive like you were on your last like, line. You, were just, you, needed to, you needed to be so desperate for God. And if you weren't that desperate for God, and, and at some point you filled up the bowls of heaven so much so that they began to tip down, and that's the way you get revival to come, and that's the way you get Holy Spirit to show up. I think God was showing up in spite of all of that because he saw hearts that needed the love of the Father. And he was pouring out, and yeah, the passion was real and all those things, and I will never let that go. I'll never pour, I'll never throw that baby out with the bathwater, although I did, because after a certain period of time, after I left the youth ministry and Rachel and I had moved on, we began to grow in our understanding of the finished work of Christ and everything that he's done for us and all of the provisions that he's made and what we are able to be satisfied in that we don't need to strive for God to show up, that we don't need to push in so hard for him to just, for us to get a little goosebump during worship. You know what I mean? And I begin to understand that, wow, I can actually just be satisfied. In fact, God's going to show up because actually he's already here. I don't need to, he's, his, actually, actually, he's already inside of me. I'm fully filled with the Godhead. Like he's right here and he's fully here and and, and this, this revelation of the fact that I'm already seated in heavenly places. I don't need to try and press into heavenly places, but I get to sit with him and look out upon the things of the earth and be a son or daughter, right? Amen. This shift happened. And I, the pendulum swung so hard for me and so far that I became completely satisfied, and I was so happy there. And I, I mean, it was great. But what started to happen in that place of satisfaction was I became complacent, because I realized that I didn't need to do all the things religiously that I thought I needed to do in order to encounter God or be intimate with Him. Because before, it was from a performance place that was striving to connect with my Father because I didn't know 
that he was already with me and that he already loved me. It was from a place of lack. I was desperate and hungry for God from a place of lack, not from a place of realizing that he is fully with me. It would be like, you're hungry and there's nothing in the fridge. That's desperation. Like, that's, that's lack. There's nothing. It's just dry, desert, and it's parched. And in a way, that's where we all began. It's okay to be desperate at some point in time, but once you take a sip of the living water, you shouldn't really be thirsty again, right? Because that's what he said. If any drinks of me, my water that I have is living water, you're never going to thirst again. So there's something about desperation when we come to the Lord because we realize that we're absolutely nothing without him and there's no chance that we have at all to walk in the calling that we have, to get to heaven, all those things without what he's given us. So we, we, can't, we can't be good enough without him. We can't be righteous enough or holy enough without him. So we, we initially, the initiation is desperation. But after that, all of your hunger and all of your desire has to come from a place of fullness, not lack. Yes, amen. So I started to get satisfied and I started to get complacent. And I noticed that I despised certain things. I started to despise when it looked like people were what would I call striving. And I felt disconnected from, from those things. And I started to sit in the back row of the church like, because I just, I was resting. I was satisfied in the fullness of Christ that I had already received, you know? And maybe some of you are there, maybe some of you are not, because I was talking to Rachel last night, and this is not necessarily where all of you are at, because there is a whole, there's 50 people that signed up for Firestarters. We're a hungry crew, but we're not coming after it from a place of, you know, we don't got the goods, you know? We got the goods. So this is, this is not necessarily, this is just, why I'm saying this is, I'm sure it's going to speak to somebody, but I think it's a reinforcement of where we're going. So let me just support why it's good to be satisfied for just a moment. John 16, 13. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to it because I did not send the scriptures to the guy in the sound booth. So you might need a Bible this morning or your phone or whatever you got. So... John 16, 13, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now, if I could just stop you there for a moment, and I want to make it clear that Holy Spirit guiding you into all truth is not just good doctrine. The Holy Spirit is not trying to just guide you into good theology or a good fact based knowledge of what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit leading you into all truth. First of all, truth is a person. Truth is something that we experience. It's something that needs to be manifested in our lives. So Holy Spirit guiding you into all truth is him guiding you into a lifestyle that is what is true in heaven can be true on earth. He will guide you into all truth. And yes, it is good doctrine. It is also that. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So the Holy Spirit is receiving messages from the Father, and he's delivering them to you, and he's showing you things that will come. 
future things for nations, for churches, communities, your own personal life. Doesn't matter. He will show you things to come. This is not he might show you things to come. He will show you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. So, Holy Spirit hears from the Father. Everything that the, the Father has, it's also Jesus' Jesus's stuff. It's all his goodies. Holy Spirit takes those goodies, and he declares them to you. This is why it's important for us to hear and to see what heaven is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing, because when we hear and we see what the Holy Spirit is releasing, he's not speaking off his own authority. He's taking it from heaven, and he's saying, hey, this is what exists in heaven. This is the intention of the Father for your life. This is what Jesus has given you. These are the, this is what the all things that are, that are in heavenly places looks like. He says it, you see it, and now what do you do with it? You declare that, and you agree it. Yeah, absolutely. You agree with that reality, and you are satisfied with it in the sense that it exists fully for you in heavenly places, but you are not satisfied if it's not manifesting in your life. So there's certain satisfaction. Are we to be content? Yeah, absolutely. I'm content that all things, all spiritual blessings have been given to me in heavenly places, but I'm not content that people are still sick in our church. I'm not content that people are still broke. I'm not content that people are still stuck in sin. Stuck in sin, right? So we're satisfied in the fact of what He's given us, but we're dissatisfied in our level of experience. And then, right after that, uh, I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter one, verse three, which I just kind of said that already, but. You guys tracking with me this morning? He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. You can't get more ridiculously clear than that. The only thing that might, we can debate on what does everything or all blessings look like, you know, but it's just, that's a ridiculous promise. Ephesians 2, 6. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness. And I was reading this, and when it said in ages to come, in the past, when I used to think that the world was about to end, I thought the exceeding riches of his goodness that was going to be revealed to us in the ages to come was at some point in time after everything went to hell in a handbasket. But can I suggest to you that we're in the ages to come that they were talking about 2,000 years ago? that we're in the age of the exceeding riches and blessings that are in Christ for us are to be revealed. That's the age we're living in. That people are in the new age movement looking for a new age, but we are it. We're the new age, you guys. We're in it. We have it. We're a bunch of new agers. If you know what I'm saying. Hopefully you're catching what I'm saying because I'm not saying we're new age. I'm saying... I'm saying that we are. Uh... We're the real deal. (laughs) Colossians chapter 2. I love the Bible. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. You're complete. 
in him, lacking nothing. And not only that, but the fullness of the Godhead lives inside of you. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane to think about that. Anybody here watch, uh, I don't watch the show, but I just, there's a concept of Doctor Who. Anybody raise your hand? The TARDIS. This is like this little phone booth. The guy walks into the phone booth, and it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. We're like little TARDISes walking around. We're bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. The fullness of God lives inside of us. We have all of heaven existing in here, and we are like portals that get to release that thing. We are gateways that get to release. We're the bridge between heaven and earth. That's what we're called to be. And then I'm going to just skip down to 15. I just want to read this. He's disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So, wow, there's a lot to be satisfied in. We've been led into all truth. We're being led into all truth. We've been given all things. You're already in heavenly places, whether you realize it or not. You're bilocating right now at this moment if you're born again and you're in him. You are fully forgiven. You have no sin nature. And you're fully loved. God lives inside of you fully, and the enemy has been fully defeated. Cool. What's left for us to do? We can just set, be satisfied, you know? He's already forgiven us. Great. Okay. So we get to be satisfied, but I think that it's a form of dualism for us to be satisfied with a spiritual reality that we're not expecting to see manifest in the physical like life, in, in the tangible, in our actual bank account, in our bodies, in our relationships. We can be content reading stories of revival and moves of God in the past where people had encounters with angels and supernatural things that happened. And, and we, could, we could almost live vicariously through all the stories and not actually expect them to show up here in this place at this moment in time. We have to be okay living with two conflicting realities happening inside of us at the same time being extremely satisfied in all of those things I just talked about, but hungering so much for them to see them manifesting in our lives. This, is, this is actually gets really, really fun, though, because you get, to, you get to enjoy the best of both worlds. You know what I'm saying? But, so in heaven, what do we actually have in heaven? What do all, all things look like? We have perfect righteousness and holiness. We're perfectly righteous. So why are we still stuck in sin, Right? We have perfect health in heaven, so why is healing not manifesting right now? We have wealth in heaven. Why are we broke? We have peace, but yet we still struggle with anxiety and stress. We have complete joy, yet we're struggling with depression. And we are full of energy, but we're always saying, I feel tired. I think that there's a hunger that comes from lack and a hunger that comes from sight. So what I was talking about this earlier, you see a fridge, you, or if you're hungry because you have no money, that's a problem. But if you're hungry because you saw a nice juicy steak there, that's a good thing. <laughs> sight produces desire. And desire, once it's fulfilled, brings satisfaction. So when we live with these two conflicting realities, there's an ebb and a flow that begins to happen between hunger and satisfaction in our spiritual walk with the Holy Spirit. We hunger after the things that he's revealing to us, that he's declaring to us from the Father, 
because we see them and they look so good. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I want that in my life. I want that connection with God. I want that intimacy with him. We're already seated in heavenly places with God. Why do I feel disconnected on earth? You don't need to press into getting closer to God, but you need to enjoy the relationship that's actually already fully existing with you in heavenly places. You get to actually just step into what's already there. And when you have that sight, you see it, you go after it, and then once you eat, can you imagine if you were eating all day long? You never got hungry. You never even, there's something about after you've not eaten for a little while, you feel that hunger begin to rise, and when you eat, it actually satisfies you. But if you were constantly eating, it wouldn't do the same, it wouldn't have the same effect. Even in relationship, I can have, I'm, I'm fully satisfied in my marriage, and I can rest in that fact, but there's still an ebb and a flow of desire and fulfillment in the relationship. Am I right? So it is back and forth and back and forth. What does it look like when someone is pursuing a relationship with God from a place of lack? There's striving, there's performance. They're probably going to be angry with themselves all the time. Versus a person that's pursuing from a place of rest, it, it has to do with realizing that you've already been seated in heavenly places. Or another example, how about somebody, you're praying for somebody. Somebody's sick and you're praying for them to be healed. Now, if someone's sick and you're not getting healed, it's not because you, have, you don't have enough net satisfaction or because you haven't pursued it enough or anything like that. There's no condemnation for why things are or are not manifesting. But if someone's sick and you're praying for them, and you don't realize what Christ has paid for 2,000 years ago on the cross, you are going to approach it from a place of begging. God, I hope that some, by some lottery chance of a ticket, this person might be healed. If it is your wish, you know, if you might, you know, do something, maybe God, please heal this person. I pray that you might heal them. And it's more of a wishful thing. But for someone who knows that they're a son or daughter of God, who knows that they've been given the authority of the son or daughter, and who knows that the provision of healing has already been made 2,000 years ago on the cross, they're not coming from a place of lack. They just get to release it. They just get to declare it. Like, oh, you're sick. I'm going to release what already exists in heaven into this situation. When Jesus was sleeping on the boat, he didn't get up and start shouting at the top of his lungs and tongues and blowing a shofar at the storm. He just released what was already happening inside of him on the storm. He just released a different world. He just said, here, peace be still. Boom, then it's done. And this is where I think that it will move for us because faith sees and rests. Faith sees what is already existing for us in spiritual places and acts as though it, it's, what is that? I'm sorry, I'm true. He declares the thing that's not as though it were. And that's exactly what faith does. And as I was preparing for this, there was a clip from this movie, The Hook, that I felt perfectly captures what we're talking about. So if someone could cue up that video for me, I want you guys to watch this and consider what's happening here. Are you eating it? No, please. Eat. What's the deal? Where's the real food? 
stop being Peter Pan. You won't be Peter Pan, so eat up. Eat what? There's nothing here. Gandhi ate more than this. Don't you remember? This used to be your favorite game. Benny, Benny is Benny. Benny, Benny, Benny is Benny. Benny, Benny, Benny. Oh, Lucio, Benny, why don't you just go suck on a dead dog's nose? not be okay with just having spiritual blessings for us, sitting in heavenly places with us, not manifesting here. The funny thing about it is, if you go after it, striving after it, striving after breakthrough, striving after healing, all this stuff from a place of lack, it might happen. But when you rest, first rest in the reality of something, and then you will see it pop. Then you're going to see it manifest. And all of the action that I experienced in that youth ministry it doesn't come out of a place of desperation anymore. All of that passion and that fire and that pursuing God and the shouting at the top of your lungs and doing all those radical things, that comes now from a place of rest in the abundance of what God has given me, not because I'm striving to get God's attention. This video right here is exactly what the walk of faith is like in resting in what God has done for us. And we're going to move into communion this morning. And what I want us to understand about communion this morning in context of this message is that what Jesus did on the cross was he fully provided for us in every single way through his death, his resurrection, and his ascension now, seated at the right hand of the Father. And when we do this in remembrance of him, we have to see the body and the blood and the remembrance is like, this is like a bridge. This is like a connection point to that reality. We're grabbing a physical thing that is symbolic, but we're connecting it to something that's happened in the spirit. It's like a connection point or a point of convergence where we're, with faith, attaching our faith to this, this act. And we're saying everything that Christ gave us on the cross through his body and his blood, we're taking it in, we're ingesting that now. And it's, it's like literally moving through spiritual dimension and it's transitioning and that's why transubstantiation with the with the body and the blood i don't think that it actually turns into body and blood but i think there's a reality to something that is of spiritual significance that is being translated into our physical bodies when we're doing communion so this morning if i could have the ushers come up we're going to pass out communion and we're going to feast There's a quote by a, a mystic. I think it's anonymous, but it says, if I am in you and you are in me, why are you still looking for me? In Colossians 
Oh, maybe I'm off on that, actually. But it says it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. He actually wants to give us these things more than we could ever hunger for them, more than we could ever strive after them or press in for them. It's his pleasure to give us these things. So we just need to say, okay, Dad, I'll receive it. And it will produce action. It will produce action rather than apathy. We have to give ourselves permission. If you were one of those people that had come into that place of satisfaction like I was talking about, you have to give yourself permission to hunger and thirst again. If you have been striving and hungering from a place of lack, you have to come into a place where you're willing to just be satisfied and chill out for a little while. So if I can get the music, and if everyone could stand once you receive your communion. If you're waiting for communion or you're standing, we're just gonna, we're going to take this together as one this morning, but I want you to connect with the Holy Spirit in this moment. When we were doing our prayer night the other night, there was a moment where we connected with the Holy Spirit to see his intention for 2018, to see his intention for new hope, to see his intention for our lives. I want you to connect, say, Holy Spirit, what is the message that you have for me from the Father today? Because he's heard things, he's seen things, and he wants to declare them to you. Because if you see it, you can have it. Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to show me today? What is your intention for my life? What is your intention? Because there's areas that he wants to go after. Maybe you've been struggling with depression, and he's wanting you to see yourself leaping with ridiculous joy. Maybe you've been struggling with finances, which has been a struggle for a lot of people. And he wants, he wants you to let go of any contentment in that area. And he wants to reveal to you his intention for your bank account. What's God's intention for your bank account? How many zeros are at the end of that number in God's intention for your life? It's okay. God's not afraid of money. Obviously, none of us have reached the Solomon level yet. So I think we have room to grow. What's God's intention for your morality? Maybe you've been struggling with sin in any area of your life. And if you're striving to be righteous and holy, then you're still walking from a place of lack because you have to see that the righteousness and the holiness and the purity of God has been fully provided for you and given to you as a gift and you get to rest in that identity. See his intention for you in a holiness, a walk of holiness, a walk of righteousness that will come from a place of rest rather than white knuckling it. Holy Spirit, what's your intention for my life?
Maybe you've been tired all the time. And Holy Spirit has a picture of you full of energy, full of life. Maybe you've been sick and God is showing you an image of yourself fully healthy and vibrant. This is not the secret. This is not positive thought. This is seeing the truth and allowing it to produce action in your life. I just heard someone the other day say, I don't know about the law of attraction, but I do know about the law of action. And what I like about that is that we get to see heaven's intention and we get to rest in that reality and it will produce action in our lives and it will cause manifestation of things supernatural in a very, very real way. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them. Jesus, thank you for your body. And we receive everything that you've given to us through the breaking of your body and the full forgiveness and the healing of our bodies. God, we receive that into ourselves now. if this is moving slow because we get to just soak it up.
Take this cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Thank you for the new covenant, God. Yet it's our prayer that we wouldn't just acknowledge that we're in a new covenant or be satisfied with the theology of that, God, but we would see the fullness of it manifesting in our lives, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, as we close, I'd like to encourage you to write down the things that the Holy Spirit was showing you as his intention for you. To make a declaration out of them. To look at them. Because what you see, you can have. And own the fact that God wants that to manifest in your life more than you ever could. Thanks so much for listening to this week's message. Feel free to contact us for further resources at newhopecom.org.